So yes, it's a great honor and privilege to be uh, up here this morning. It's been a few years since I've had the uh, privilege to, um, to be in the pulpit and bring a message to a congregation. Um, yeah, I'm not going to move that. That's fine. Um, at, at my last church that I was serving, uh, so, so bear with me if, uh, if a few of my words are fumbled around this morning or whatnot, but uh, uh, it is a privilege to be here when Pastor Stewart called me on Tuesday and said, will you preach for me on Sunday? Um, I was very thankful that God had given me the privilege to be in this position before and have something prepared. Um, so this morning we're going to be in the book of Revelation, uh, my all-time favorite book uh, in the, of the scriptures. And whenever we hear the, that we're going to be in Revelation, we a lot of times people automatically go to, oh, he's going to preach on the, the letters to the churches or the, the great tribulation or whatnot, and all that's in there, but uh, today I want to focus on something uh, a little more uh, upbeat, a little more encouraging, and that is what we can expect in heaven. It's going to be an amazing, amazing place. Uh, there's, there's a lot of different um, beliefs about heaven, what it's going to be like, what we are going to be like when we get there. Uh, for those of you who, who are my age and older, I won't say how old that is, but uh, some people might believe from a certain movie that uh, shooting stars represent people getting their wings when they get to heaven. Uh, many people believe that we become angels when we get to heaven. Oh, God just had a, a special place for that little angel. Uh, many many cartoons and such have portrayed us as sitting on clouds and playing harps and I don't believe heaven will be that boring um, and I, I might can play the guitar a little bit but a harp is way beyond my level uh, then there are beliefs that we don't go to heaven right away that we go to a place somewhere in between to work and and to atone for the sins that we committed here on earth a place called purgatory that we can then earn our way into heaven. Uh, many people believe that you can't know that you're going to go to heaven till you get there, right? That it's a, a surprise when we get there. Uh, many people believe that when you get to heaven, St. Peter will be there to greet you at the gates. There's an old uh, story my pastor back in Alabama told that there was a, a divorced lady who had passed away. And she got to heaven and walked up to St. Peter and he said, there's one test to get into heaven. You have to spell a word. And she said, okay, what word? He said, love. She said, well, that's easy, L-O-V-E. And he said, welcome home. He said, before you enter, though, I would like to ask a, a quick favor. Could you just stand here for a few minutes and kind of watch while I run an errand? She said, sure. And he said, if anybody shows up, just give them that same test. I said, okay. Well, about two minutes later, the ex-husband shows up in heaven. And he walks to the front of the, you know, to the, to the gate there. And she says, hi. 
He says, hi. He said, so can I go in? She said, well, there's a test. And he said, what's the test? And he, she said, well, you have to spell a word. And he said, what word? And she said, Czechoslovakia. <laughs> Thankfully, there are no spelling tests to get into heaven. But in Revelation 21, verses 1 through 8, we get a great glimpse of what heaven will be like when we get there. So if everyone would turn to Revelation 21 and stand with me at the reading of God's Word. Now, we'll warn you ahead of time that these are some of the verses that I believe are, are best read in the, in the King James. So I will be reading from the King James this morning. Oh, I'm on now? Yay, I can walk. All right. All right, yes, I will be reading from the King James this morning. It's got a few... Uh, few words that it uses in there that the other translations do not use that I believe are very necessary to understand these verses. So here we go. Revelation 21 verses 1 through 8 says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are faith are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Will you pray with me? Father God, we come to you now, God, with this wonderful revelation that you gave to John. Lord, that he might write it down so that we would know, so that we could understand what it is that you have prepared for us. God, we pray now, Lord, as your spirit is among us, that that spirit would enter our hearts 
and open it up to the word that you would have us to hear. And God, whatever, whatever needs to happen to move me out of the way and to allow you to come through and to present your word to these people, Lord, I pray that you would do it. God, I am just the, the translator this morning, just the vessel that you are using to relay this message. And God, as we, as we get into this, Lord, we pray that you would just encourage our hearts with, with all that we can look forward to as your people. God, be with each and every one this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So Revelation, I, I tend to be of the belief, uh, Revelation is full of, uh, full of uh, specific truths, and, and it's also full of imagery. Um, I believe that any part of Revelation that can be uh, that can be interpreted as a specific truth should be, to be a rea reality, an actual thing that is happening. Um, there are other parts when we start talking about the woman and the snake and stuff like that. That's it's more than likely imagery. Um, but Revelation follows a, 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 a series of events. So in 90 AD, when John was um, exiled to the island of Patmos, he receives this revelation from God, from Jesus. Jesus appears to John in prison, in exile, and gives him a vision, says, write this down. And he gives him a vision of the, of the letters to the churches and, and to the, uh, a vision of the tribulation to come, the seven years tribulation and, and the, uh, the rapture or the reaping of, of the believers um, and he gets into the millennial reign of Christ after the second coming of Christ when the believers will reign with Christ on earth for a thousand years. And finally, in verse 21, or in chapter 21, we get to heaven. So there's some interesting things that are going to be happening in heaven. First thing is, is in verses uh, one in verse five, he mentions that everything will always be new. God says, "Behold, I make all things new," and this is not just a once, a one-time thing. This is not when heaven, when we all get to heaven, everything's new, and then all of a sudden it starts getting old. No, this is a a constant new. This is a constant renewing of not only the, the physical things, but of, of the quality of things, of, of quality and in the character of things as well. Um, so it, the first thing it lists as being new is a new heaven. Now heaven in scripture is used three different ways. We have, when, when it speaks of the, the heaven and the earth, that, that's talking about the sky, the immediate atmosphere, and the earth itself. That is the heaven and the earth, little h. Then we have the heavens, the plural heavens. That's the, the, the universe, the stars and the, you know, uh, the planets and all that. That's, that's what, uh, what the Bible refers to as heavens. And then we have the big H, heaven. That's where God lives. That's where God is preparing 
a place for us. And when he says, I make a new heaven and a new earth, he's talking about all three. Everything will be new. A new earth. How will God create a new earth? Well, to create a new earth, we have to get rid of everything on this earth. So your house, gone. This church, gone. Grand Canyon, Mount Everest, gone. Everything's wiped out so that God can create new. A new earth, a perfect earth. He will recreate the earth as a new earth. Verse 2, he talks about the new Jerusalem. He says, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. So he mentions it to be a holy city. Holy, as we know, means to be set apart for a purpose. Uh, we, can, we can see that this is going to be a, a pure and righteous city set apart, a sinless place. We can uh, barely imagine, we can, we can barely comprehend what it would be like to live in a sinless world because we have never experienced a sinless world. Can you imagine the newspaper in heaven? All good news, Right? No bad news in heaven, because it will be a perfect, holy place. Mentions it's from God. John 14, 3, Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. Show of hands, who wants to go to a heaven God did not make? Yeah, that's what I thought, nobody, right? This is a place that God himself made. Now let me tell you something. If it only took him six days plus a rest day, we won't, get, we won't throw that out the window, but six days to create all that he has in our earth, in our world, in everything that we can behold his glory in, he did in six days. Imagine what he has been able to do the last 2,000 years and beyond, even longer than that. He has been applying his infinite creativity to this place just for us. Another interesting thing that, that John mentions is its beauty. He, he, he compares it to a bride adorned for her husband. Now, I'm married, and for those of you men out there who are married, when you get home, you must say, that was, that was a great, great illustration he used because I felt the same way. Okay? Because when I was standing at the, at the front of the church on my wedding day, and I was facing the back of the church, and they opened the doors, and there I saw her, my beautiful, lovely wife, dressed in all white. And in my mind, I went, 
that's mine. She's so beautiful, dressed in her dress and her makeup and her hair was all done up pretty. And my mind was just, yes, 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 yes. She's all mine, yes. Okay, that's how John is comparing. I told you, husbands, when you go home, that was a great illustration. That's the way I felt, too. That's what John is comparing the new Jerusalem to. When he sees this coming down out of heaven, he's going, wow, that's so beautiful. And it's mine. This is the place that God has prepared for me. So we have a new heaven, a new earth, a new beautiful city to live in. Everything else is going to be new too. As people, we're created to like things that are new. Okay? There's a, it's, it's the way God created us to like things that are new, okay? Uh, when, you, when you go out and, you know, everybody would like to have the new car because it's new, right? Everybody wants a new house. Whether it's new to you or not, it's new. And that's what we want is something new. And the great thing about heaven is that we will always, always have that feeling of having new. Because it will always be new. Like I said, not only new in its physical traits, but also its character. So it will be new all the time. So we're going to uh, wake up in the morning and look across the street at your neighbor and say, Hey, is that a new suit? Sure is. Just got it. Brand new, and it's not corduroy. That's right. I'm going to wake up and look next door to me, and I'm going to say, Robert, is that a new haircut? Because I believe Robert will have hair in heaven. <laughs> I believe he will. And he's going to have the best haircut of all, and it's going to be new. All the time. Okay, all the time. It's always going to be new. We're going to experience a new worship in heaven. Okay, you think worship here is great? You think worship at Hillsong Church is great? You think worship at these mega churches is great? You just wait. Okay, because this is going to be a new kind of worship that it doesn't matter if you grew up on traditional hymns or contemporary Christian music. It doesn't matter if you grew up with pastors preaching from the King James Version or the comic book version. Okay, it's going to be amazing. We're going to have a new kind of worship. Every morning you're going to get up and you're going to pass somebody on the way to breakfast. Because you're not going to have to cook in heaven. I really don't believe that. But you're going to be going to breakfast. Say, hey, what were they having for breakfast? They say, man, I... And it, it's just, it's hard to explain. It, I swear I've had it before. It's just like eggs or something. But man, it was just, every day they come up with something new. And it's always amazing. I believe we will never be bored in heaven. Because there will always be new. 
another thing that will be different is that God will be near. God himself, in verses 3 and verses 7. Verse 3, he says, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. That tabernacle is one of those words I mentioned at the beginning uh, that, that's used in the King James Version. I'm not sure about other translations. I know it's not in a few of them. But the tabernacle is the dwelling place of God. The dwelling place of God is with man. And he says it with a loud voice, a great voice. And when the Bible says something was said with a great voice, that means it's very significant okay, and very worthy of our attention. And then he uses a, another word. He says, behold. That's another word that's not used a lot in the other translations. But behold has a very specific meaning of seeing something, um, seeing something uh, vividly, you know, in, in a vivid tone. He saw this very vividly. He says, look at this intently. The tabernacle... The, the, the dwelling place of God is mentioned here to show how God will relate to his people in heaven. You see, in, in scriptures and in songs and uh, throughout history, we, we, we've always seen God as sort of this far-off entity. Okay, We've seen him in the Holy of Holies behind a, behind a veil that only the high priest could go in. Right? Um, we've seen him uh, on the throne across the glass sea in the scriptures. It's, it's, it's said. Uh, we've always seen God at a distance. But what this is saying is when we get to heaven, God will be right down the street. God's dwelling place in eternity will be with his people. I don't believe that that's something, or I hope, that is something that we never get used to. I hope that that is one of those things that just gives us that newness every day. With the realization and understanding that God is near. Because it's hard to sometimes to, to feel God's nearness here. Right on earth. One other thing, not only will, will God be near, uh, but there will be uh, the, the saints and, and the angels and, and, and the king himself, Jesus, right? I believe that we will have the ability to walk to the temple. And sit down on the front steps with David himself. Or with Jesus himself. Or with Moses himself. And speak to these people. That's one of the, I tell you, I always say this, but I doubt it's true. Um, I say it's one of the things I look forward to in heaven. 
But I believe when I get there, it won't make a hill of beans one way or the other. If I get to talk to David or not, I'm just going to be focused on Jesus. But they'll be there. Verse 7 also mentions an inheritance. It says, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Now, now my parents are not wealthy by any means, and, and when, when they pass away, you know, there's, there's not much of an inheritance to get. So when they die, I get very little. But when I die, I get everything. Right? Everything that God has promised will be my inheritance. There's also a few things that it mentions will not be in heaven. There are a few things that will not be in heaven. Number one would be tears. There are no tears in heaven. I'm sorry, Eric Clapton, but there are no tears in heaven. Tears are a picture of the hardships that we face in our life. Now, you'll say, yes, there are happy tears. Well, I'm not talking about those kind of tears. The tears that, that, we, that are represented here are those hardships in life that we face just living. And God is always aware when his children are crying. Psalm 56, 8 tells us that God puts those tears in a bottle against the day of remembrance when there will no longer be any tears. Imagine we get to heaven and God walks up to that woman who has lost a child, lost a husband, and she's just grief-stricken. And he walks up and he grabs her face and he wipes away that tear and he says, now no more. That's the last one. You're home now. There will be no more tears here. Death will be no more. No more dying. No more funeral homes. No more funerals. No more caskets. No more tombstones. No more leaving of loved ones. No more heart-rending goodbyes. With the separation of death being gone. Things that lead to death will be gone. No more doctors. No more dentists. No more tests. No more cavities. No more cancer. No more sickness. No more death. It's going to be amazing. No more anticipation of what's to come. How many times do we worry ourselves sick because we don't know what's ahead of us? In heaven, it's not going to matter because there is going to be no worry and there will be no anticipation of what to come because you will know. No counting time, no age, no older people, no younger people. No more time, no more anticipation. 
it will just be everyone moving along together in a newness and a fullness of joy through God and Christ Jesus himself. One thing I'm looking forward to in heaven is a perfect body. This body's not going to heaven with me. It's staying here. And I'm thankful for it. Our bodies do not last forever. Our spirits do. And we will be given a perfect heavenly body. There's a, there's a, a song by Jim Reeves that says, This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. These bodies will not go with us because there will be no disabilities in heaven. There will be no wheelchairs in heaven, no white canes. I'm sorry, sweetheart, but sign language will only be for fun. She works at the deaf school, just for those of you who didn't know. Um, yeah, none of that is going to be there. None, nothing that leads to that. Uh, another thing that will not be in heaven is sorrow. No sorrow in heaven. The burdens and discouragements of this life, all gone. A couple questions. Will we remember the past sorrows of this life? I don't know. Possible answers, A, no. B, yes, but we won't care. Okay? Um, there will never be a worst day or a best day ever. It will all be perfect and total happiness. No pain in heaven. Okay? Perfect health, perfect experiences, perfect relationships no confrontations with other people in heaven no instructing children amen parents right no more don't do that stop biting the dog none of that sorry is that just me okay all right everyone will cooperate with one another perfect Physical health. Every morning you're going to get out of bed and you're going to jump out of the bed. And you're going to tear open the curtains and go, boy, do I feel good. Does that happen to anybody today? Not me. And it's going to be every day. No accidents in heaven. Okay? No accidents in heaven. Or, okay, sorry. Will there be accidents in heaven? A, no. B, yes, but it won't hurt if you stub your toe. Okay? So you, you might stub your toe, but it won't hurt in heaven. Upon saying, see you later to someone, goodbye, or just in passing, have a good day would be a stupid thing to say in heaven. Someone says that, you just turn around and go, are you new here? <laughs> it's kind of an everyday thing around here. Satisfaction. 
is abundant in heaven. When God says to John, I am the Alpha and the Omega, he is saying, I am the beginning and I finish what I started. In the beginning and the end, if I, finish, if I start it, it's going to be finished. Everything a person could ever want, they will have in heaven. Now, before you say, well, you know, what if I want something that's not good? You're not. Okay? Because in heaven, you won't want anything that is wrong. There are no temptations in, in heaven. There are no struggles against the devil in heaven. There are no struggles against your, your human nature of wanting something that God does not want for you, for your good in heaven. It's all a righteous want. Everything that you want, you'll have it. No more of this, boy, if I had blank. Boy, I wish I could blank. I'm looking forward to the day when none of that. None of that. heard a, a pastor one day or, or put it this way in, in a sermon he said when we are in heaven you will lean your head over and dunk it in the fountain of fulfillment and satisfaction and drink freely until you are full every day every day that's what we have to look forward to a couple other things hobbies will we have hobbies in heaven I sure hope so I like to play baseball. I like to watch baseball. I'm not very good at it anymore. Maybe with that new body, I'll be very good at it again. Um, so, so hobbies, maybe. Okay, uh, pets, yes. No cats. Um, okay, uh, pets, no cats. Anything that's worshipped as a god. I don't care how old the civilization is. The devil. Um, so. Uh, I don't know about pets, okay? Pets, I, I don't know. I know there will be animals in heaven. The, uh, the Bible talks about animals in heaven, but I don't know if they will be uh, pets per se. Um, you won't want to do anything. As far as the hobbies go, I won't want to play baseball because if I want to play baseball, I will play baseball. If that is a righteous want. Uh, I, I believe you will never hear the phrase, can I have more, please? Or, why can't we? Or, when are we going to get there? None of that will be mentioned in heaven. There will be no little side groups of people over in the corner complaining there will be no criticism and no negativism. That, that in itself is, 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 is worth a thought. That, that there will be no criticism in heaven and no negative thoughts in heaven because all these wonderful, terrible little negatrons, they all go to hell. Okay, The negatrons all go to hell. There will be no negative in heaven. 
And the reason that is is because, first of all, it's going to be a perfect place. But everyone is going to be so positive and delightful because we are constantly in the fullness and the presence of God, our Creator. It's going to be an amazing place to be. Absolutely amazing. But there's a problem. You say, what could be the problem with heaven? What in the world could be the problem with all that you just mentioned? And the problem is that some of you may not be there. The problem is I can stand up here today and talk to you for 30 minutes about this wonderful place where there are no more deaths, no more pains, no more sorrows, where everything is perfect, and some of you still will not get to enjoy that. That's what's wrong. We cannot read the scriptures and interpret them seriously and not see that there is a line that is drawn. 1 John 5.12, a very clear line drawn in the sand. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Matthew 7.13 and 14. Enter ye at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there will be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. John three eighteen. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believeth in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Finally, in Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved the sad part is is that some of us will not be there I will be that whole part at the beginning when I said some people believe you can't know till you get there I know I am I know I am because Jesus came to this earth for me he came to this earth and lived a sinless life, which I could not do. There's no way I could do that. And then was willing to give himself as a sacrifice for my sin, for me. And upon being risen three days later, he conquered death, conquered sin. And gave me, this wretch of a sinner, the ability to turn to him and say thank you. 
And that's all it takes to believe in what Jesus did for us that we could not do on our own. We still cannot do on our own. There's many uh, things people say, you know, I, I just don't believe that. Um, well, belief, I have to tell you, is an act of the mind and the will. Okay, belief is, is not a feeling. Uh, you, you can choose not to believe. You can choose to believe. But let me tell you, Christianity has satisfied some of the greatest minds in human history. If you take your unbelief and just exercise your mind a little bit, you will find that Jesus is the way. He is the only way to take part in this newness and this wonderful promise that we have as believers to one day be in the presence of God in this place prepared by Him for us. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now, God, and we just thank you for the promises that you give us in your word. And God, we know through your word that we can trust 100% wholeheartedly in that promise. God, we thank you for the ability to come to you in repentance and to accept the free gift that you have given to us and to close up that gap that sits between us and you. God, we thank you for providing that for us. God, thank you for those hearts that are here today who have already accepted your word and have, have been welcomed into the family. God, I, I praise you for that and thank you that one day that we will be able to rejoice together in your presence and worship you face to face. God, there are those here today who, Lord, have, have just turned, the ba turned their backs on you, who have turned the cheek whenever the gospel was presented to them. God, I just pray, Lord, that right now you would just flood their hearts and flood their minds with your spirit, Lord, and just bang on that door of their heart, Lord, to get them to open up just a little bit and to let you in and just to see the wonder and amazement that you and only you can bring, the joy that they can experience through a relationship with you. God, for it's only those that have accepted you who are going to get take, to take part in this wonderful place. God, I pray that 
whatever it takes, Lord, that no one here would have to miss out on that. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.